Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are excited that you're here. Yep, we're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're just joining us for the first time, that's who we are. Um, And we're so excited that you're here with us today. We have a very special episode for you today. It's our very first returning guest. Yeah, and And it's an honor to have this guy be our first returning guest. Yes. Guys, we're talking about Mr. John Eldridge. Yep, if you haven't heard our very first episode with John, it's episode 30. You're going to want to go back and listen to that. That was so full of wisdom, just like today. It was very good. Yeah, in today's episode, you know, when you see a guy like John, you read his books, you follow him, it's just clear that this guy has a deep relationship with Christ. And he talks all about that and how you and I can have that very same intimate relationship with Jesus. Here's the deal. Your soul is the vessel that God fills. And so if your soul is not available because it has gotten really small, or it's super distracted, or it is filled with all kinds of other things, you can ask for more of God, and He's trying, but actually your soul needs to be in a place to receive more of God, and thus Mm -hmm. soul care. When we say this conversation is packed full of wisdom, I mean packed full. We cover just about everything in our conversation with John. We talk about making space for God in our lives to hear the voice of God and what the internet is doing to our brain and our attention spans. A little scary. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And you also talk about your love for trees. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As you'll hear soon, we found out John and I are both tree people. We are... (laughs) Very much tree people. We love trees. You just got to tune in to understand what that fully means. Spending that time in the trees is very important for your soul. But um, we had such a blast with John. We could literally talk with him forever. It's such a blast. So you're going to want to listen with a pen and a paper today. It's really, really good. Unless you're driving. Unless you're driving. And then you can just... Go back and listen to it Take mental notes. Guys, we're so glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Without further ado, here's John. Well, John, welcome back to the show. It is an honor to have you. So thankful for you, man. I so enjoyed last time, guys. I was I was looking forward to this today. Oh, yay. Thank Good. you. We we always love having you. So this yeah, is a treat for we sure. We really, I mean, you know, we don't have favorites, you know, but it was <laughs> one of our favorites. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't tell. tell the others. Yeah. But if you guys haven't had a chance, go back and listen to episode 30. It was so good, so life-giving. And so we're just excited that we get the opportunity to sit here with you again and tap into your knowledge and what God's doing in your life. So last time we were together, we talked about your journey. We talked about kind of this long road that God's taken you on to get where you are here today. I want to take a second this time and go a little bit different route and talk about kind of your soul journey with the Lord. Clearly, you have a deep, beautiful, intimate relationship with Christ. And I know, I hope that we all long for that. So share a little bit of that journey. Share a little bit of what that, how that flushes out in your life on a day-to-day basis, that intimacy with Christ. I was actually just writing on this. I, I am working on a new book. And I was just writing this morning about kind of what the typical progression, I think, of Christian experiences. And you, you go from an encounter, there's a faith awakening, maybe you, you, know, you see a movie, you talk to a friend, you, you go to a concert, and something happens. You meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be a very exciting time in someone's life, whether they're 8 or 80. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a beautiful thing. Young faith, first faith, and and then as you mature into that, and I'm now telling my story. So as you mature into that, I think the next thing that comes along is Jesus is not just Savior. Jesus is also Lord. There just comes a yearning and a desire to follow, obey, submit to. I, I want to come into alignment with you, God. I, I love you, and, and I want to be about what you're about. And so you clean up your act, and you let go of some of those habits that maybe aren't doing you well. And and then I think for me and, and for many people, the next thing that happens is um, get involved. I think it's the come come join. Don't just be a, a receiver, right? Be a player, be a part of things. So you teach Sunday school, you go to the annual mission trip, you build orphanages, you you know, something, right? You kind of, so you, you kind of go from young faith that's very exciting into a period that I would kind of call getting in line with Jesus, kind of bringing your life into conformity with what he's about. And, and then kind of comes the participation phase. Here's, here's the deal. Most people get stuck there. And I think I did. I think now I'm describing kind of my, my late 20s. A lot of service, a lot of busyness, a lot of things that looked really good on the outside, you know, leading couples groups and helping with the youth and, you know, and inside the soul is just crying out for more. Mm. And so I think the good news is there is more. And, and I, would, I would call the next, the next phase like the awakening of the heart. And for me, that really took place in my late 20s and early 30s. My heart just couldn't do it. I, I literally found myself sitting in the parking lot at church, just unable to go in. Mm. And, it, and it wasn't that church was bad. It's just that I can't do the gig anymore. I, I need God. And the gig actually feels in the way only because it's so much activity. And th this is a very surprising thing, actually. The activity for God gets in the way of life with God. Because there's just enough God words around it. There's just, you know, somebody's going to say a prayer and we're going to go off and do this. And, you know, there's just enough mm -hmm. to simulate a life with God. And I was dying. I was dying. And, and it was at this time that I began to read writers, go to conferences that were more about your soul. It was more about God cares about your heart. He cares about your soul. He can restore your soul, things in my past, alcoholic parents, some real heartbreak and loss in my story that just hadn't been addressed. Um, and this is a very, very cool time in a person's life. I would call this phase the awakening of the heart, mm, right? Yeah. And you realize there's beauty and there's love and there's romance with God and, and he cares about what you care about. Mm-hmm. And, and your particular you, your desires, your dreams, your way, like he cares about your way. And it, it, for me, the 30s was a time of counseling. It was a time of going to grad school and counseling. It was a time of restoration. A lot of people want to stay there mm -hmm. because it's a pretty fun stage. I mean, it's not fun to look at your pain. <laughs> sure. But it's, it's fun to get better. It's, mm -hmm. it's fun to recover desires that were lost and, 
and dream a little and realize God cares about your dreams. But I think that what I want to put out there for conversation is there's actually something else God is after. And I, I was reading a fascinating book, The Hidden Life of Trees. Have you guys run across that? No, but I'm obsessed with trees. So I w- she, she bought a book in Portland that was entitled Tree Bathing. Tree Bathing. <laughs> so it's okay, a- you're my gal. Yeah, <laughs> she is. I am. You are going to flip over this book. It it actually came out in German, and then they made an American translation. It was written by a German forester, because what he began to describe and discover in the forest that was under his care was the inner connectivity of trees. This is amazing. If one tree in a forest begins to get ill, the other trees in the forest will send nutrients through the soil to that tree until it heals. Oh, wow. If one tree begins to get attacked by like a pine beetle or whatever, you know, it will send signals out to the rest of the forest (laughs) that there are bugs in the neighborhood, the enemies in the camp, and all the other trees will begin producing these immune toxins that the bugs hate and they'll push them all the way up into their leaves. That's amazing. So, oh, it's mind blowing. The book is exquisitely beautiful. It's called the what of trees? Called the hidden life of trees. The hidden life of trees. I'm getting that. (laughs) Here's the deal. That kind of interwovenness, that kind of unity of being, the largest living organism in the world is an Aspen forest. It's actually one thing. Jesus tried to use that analogy to say, that's what I want with you. Mm -hmm. I I actually am looking for union. I'm looking for oneness of being. And this is enormously good news because you just can't pull off life without that. I I can't. Like, I can't be a forgiving person I, I can't be gracious enough. I, I just can't drum that up on a continual basis. I need union with God. And so when you when you ask, what does that look like? Kind of describe that journey. Kind of went through, you know, be a good servant, be faithful, you know, to the awakening of the heart and a lot of soul healing to now really pursuing that interconnectedness of being that Jesus called vine and branches that, yeah. that he called I want you to be one as the father and I are one yeah, that, that's... Was long, that was a long answer <laughs> I love it that is amazing it's so great and Jenny's found a fellow tree lover Yay. I mean I tell you every time she's like let's just go to the tree yeah. we gotta go to the tree and so it's it's real it's um you talked about restoration a couple times in there, and I want to talk about this new project that you've done where kind of it's all wrapped around this concept and idea of restoration. So um, unpack for us what restoration means and what you mean when you talk about restoration. So let, let, me, let me tell a story first. Several years ago, I was in a pretty bad place. I had lost my best friend for the second time in my life. Um, I, we lost our first grandchild. We, we went through a very, very heartbreaking year. And I knew that my soul needed care. 
Like I was not well. Now I was functioning. I was showing up. I was, you know, I didn't um, implode, but I was not well. And at the beginning of each year, I will ask Jesus, I'll dedicate the year, I'll kind of consecrate my calendar, you know, my year is yours, come and guide me, and then I'll ask for a theme. Jesus, do you have a theme for the year? Are we about something in particular? You know, um, and he said restoration, restoration, and, it, and, and um, that ended up being a year where I just gave particular attention to um, the restoration of my soul, like healing prayer, time in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's healing. For the soul. Nature is healing. <laughs> um, conversation with people, actually went and did some counseling and some healing prayer with, with folks who are good at that. And it ended up being very restoring. So when it came around to this project, this, this new book project, I wondered, is it possible to take people through an, through an experience over the course of the year in very, very small steps, you know, a thought, a scripture, a prayer each day, that the cumulative effect would be restoration? Like, is that, could we do that? Is that possible? And that, that was the, the genesis of this. I love that you talk about soul care, the practice of soul care um, in the book. And I love one of the things you say is that this is not a category for most people in our lives. It feels unnecessary. It feels indulgent. But we are going to need our souls strong for the days ahead, not weak and weary. So we must practice soul care. Can you talk a little bit more about the intentionality and the practice of soul care and what that should look like in our lives on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And let me let me connect two dots that most people don't connect. So I think anyone who's entered into a life of faith would say that they would love to experience more of God. Yeah. Like that that would just be wonderful. Like more of God in my life, more of God in my kids, more of God in my work. Like, more of God would mean that everything was better, mm-hmm. right? Okay, here's the deal. Your soul is the vessel that God fills. And so if your soul is not available to more of God because it has gotten really small or it's super distracted or it is filled with all kinds of other things, you can ask for more of God, and he's trying to give you more of himself. But it, it, this is a very surprising thing. Most people think it's just going to happen. Yeah, You're going to get a bolt of lightning. You're going to have an epiphany. You know, it's a shooting star, and it's just, you know, everything changes. But actually, your soul needs to be in a place to receive more of God, and mm-hmm. thus, soul care. Yeah. Thus, the need to adopt a, it's almost kind of like a way of living where you're allowing yourself these little graces, these little choices in your week that just help your soul to be in a good place. And and a couple of those things, I would say, it's really fun. Every day in our outpost, monastery bells ring at 10 and 2. It's very disruptive. Right in, the, right in the start of meetings or we're recording a podcast or something, the bells go off. <laughs> and here's what the bells are for. We call it the one-minute pause. You mm-hmm. take one minute and you let it all go. 
you just let it go. And you dial back into, okay, Jesus, I'm running at an insane pace today. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to dial back into you. I'm going to ask your help. And you would be stunned by what one minute can do to just re realign you. And, and that would be an example of simple practices that end up really kind of taking care of your soul. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Well, I love that you, that you know that it needs to be done twice and, and four <laughs> hours apart. You know, that it's like, I can't just do this one time today. We got to do it again in the afternoon after lunch and everything else starts ramping back up again. I love yeah, that you, you do that. That's so good. We had a friend describe it as soul minimalism, like kind of decluttering the soul and creating space for that. Because you're right, we can cry out for God to come and to feel his presence. But if our soul is filled with clutter and distractions, then he can be all around us and we're just unaware because we're so full of everything else. Well, this, this is fascinating. So Nicholas Carr almost won the Pulitzer Prize for his book, The Shallows, mm-hmm. what, the, what the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. Have you guys run into that? I'm putting oh, it on my list. This is a mind blower, guys. Okay. So basically what he he does this long project where where he reveals, uncovers that the way we interact with media now through the internet, through our mobile devices, you know, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or, you know, news feeds and all that kind of stuff is literally changing the way people think. And we we're losing our capacity to give anything our attention for longer than short little snippets. Okay. Well, here's the problem is that down through the ages, you, you read anybody on, on, on Christian spirituality and they would say, giving God your attention mm-hmm. is kind of the way it happens, right? They look to him and we're radiant, the psalm says. You know, Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus and you'll find the sustenance and the encouragement and the direction that you need, right? Yeah. Okay, but if you can't give God your attention, <laughs> For more than a flick and a flicker, how is it possible that, that you're going to be well? Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I think, you know, I read a book recently that talks about this idea of our churches are transforming into that. We're going to get you in an hour. We're going to get you out in an hour. We're going to give you these bite-sized nuggets where we can <laughs> have your attention for these few seconds oh. and then move you over here and then you get done and you talk about checkbox Christianity and stuff. And so... I think that's the part where you go, okay, Lord, like, how do we shift that, right? How do we shift that to where people can engage and commune with you, Lord, in a real and authentic way? Well, and what I want to, what I want to quickly throw people a lifeline and say, it can be done. Right. Yes. It can be done. You don't have to become a monk. You, you, you don't have to quit your job and, and move to the desert. It, Maybe the know, forest, though. <laughs> you need to get in the forest. Yeah. But this is a fascinating thing. A 20-minute walk in the woods actually lowers your cortisol level. Mm. Like, like there's all kinds of research showing the healing effects of nature. Yeah. And there are simple things you can do to fight that process. Don't take your phone into your bedroom at night. Right. Phone stays in the kitchen, right? Just yeah. when you get up in the morning, first thing, don't look at your phone. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what Trump did this morning. You don't need to know that your aunt posted another picture of her cat. 
You, <laughs> you can make these choices right. to take back your attention, yeah. take back your soul, mm -hmm. so that you can be present to God. Yeah. And and He's there. He's right, right there. Right. It doesn't take a lot. I, I, I don't want to set up spiritual hurdles for people that they're just not going to be able to do. Yeah. Right? It needs yeah. to be accessible. Right. Yeah. That's so good. And thank you for pointing to the hope there. That's that's really important. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. So let's talk about pointing to the hope and this concept of restoration. What does restoration look like? You know, as the Bible's real clear that we leave our father and mother and we become one in the context of marriage. How does restoration happen in that partnership, in that relationship? Uh, because I can understand it as, okay, me and Jesus, but there's a real context of walking that out with the person that you've given your life to. Well, the truth is the test of your spiritual maturity is how you treat other people. So you, the way you relate is kind of everything, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're made in the image of the Trinity, right? We are relational beings, right? Mm -hmm. We're created for it. And here's how, here's how restoration kind of relates to that. So I, my first dog was a phenomenal dog. I had this amazing dog in my 20s. He, in the entire time I owned him, his whole life, he was never on a leash. He was like smart and obedient, and he loved canoeing and hiking. And so we went everywhere together. He was my, he was my pal. And when I lost that dog, I really kind of thought, you know, I, I don't know that I'm open to another dog. Years go by. We have kids. Kids want a dog. We get the family dog, right? <laughs> I end up falling in love with the family dog. He was this great big male golden retriever named Scout. And he was awesome. And he loved canoeing, and he had a taste for underwear. Right? <laughs> When he died, it was heartbreaking. Mm. Okay, you're following what happens, right? Yeah. And so next dog comes around. Yeah, I'm not giving you so much of my heart. That dog died. We buried him in November. Mm. And, and, and we, have, we have another. We have a little cute little female golden retriever. But I can tell she, she's not getting all of me. Mm. And, and this is what happens in relationship is that we become more and more guarded. Yeah. We make choices due to the pain, due to the disappointment, due to previous relationships. We make choices where we actually are offering less and less of ourselves. And, and that's, tr that's really true in marriage, but it's true in friendship. And that won't work. You can't sustain a marriage on that. Yeah. Like you have to be fully present. Yeah. It's actually just like our life with God. You know, you, you get out of it what you put into it, yeah. right? And if yeah. you're not present, yeah. the other person's like, how can I relate to a third of you? That's good. Yep, that's so good. Um, kind of along those lines, what are some practical ways that we can support the restorative work that we see God doing in our spouse? Are there some things that you found to be helpful in your own relationship that we can practice? Yes. You are, the, <laughs> you are the most powerful person in your spouse's life. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are the greatest instrument of redemption in their world. More than their pastor, more than their counselor, more than their parents, it's you. And so I think the first thing I want to say is 
do you have any idea what the path of their restoration is? Mm-hmm. Have you even asked? Like, I, you got to start here, folks. Like, if, if that's a new thought to you, yeah, right, you're going to want to catch up. Yeah. So, so some really, really basic thoughts. You need to know your spouse's story. Yeah. And, and by that, I mean, listen to the story of their life. Mm-hmm. And and pay attention to you know the key moments. Where did the messages come in? What shaped their self worth? What shaped their their view of the world? Where are their fears? You're listening for the story of their life. Where did they lose heart? Where did they give up on their dreams? And obviously, in particular, what was their relationship with mom and dad like? Mm-hmm. Because if you know their story and you know their woundedness then you, first off, are not going to step on the landmines as often mm-hmm. and trigger all that, you know, right. again. But you can be a loving presence of God in their life, you know, in their restoration. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah, and it's really having compassion for each other and and not just thinking that we know each other after however many years, but to keep keep learning about each other and, and supporting each other that way. That's really beautiful. Well, I think there's this place where if we, husband or spouse, are seeking God mm-hmm. for our spouse, uh, we're not trying to project what we subscribe. Oh, I know where your restoration process <laughs> is. And let me tell you. <laughs> A thing or two. Yeah. yeah it's <clears throat> it's this place where you go, okay, yeah. Lord, like, what is it that you want to do yeah. in this person that you love, your son, your daughter? You've placed me here as as someone as a as a guide, as an ear, as yep. someone who cares. That's the piece. I think if we posture ourselves in that way, not trying to fix the person, but trying to help that person get as close to Jesus, because He will bring the wholeness, He will bring the healing, yeah. and He will bring the change and the restoration that really needs to happen. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. In other words, what are your motives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are your motives when you say, I want to help my spouse get better? Right. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, what's, actually, what's, what's actually energizing you, right? Because mm-hmm. if it is in the fix you category, I just want you to stop it. Right? <laughs> that That is not going to go well. Yeah. And they're going to pick up on that, mm. right? And, and so if your motive is, is I really actually want to be your advocate mm-hmm. for restoration. Then when you hit the bumpy stuff, you know, your spouse knows that the motives are good. Mm-hmm. But if it feels manipulative, frankly, yeah. you, you can say the most brilliant things in the world. You can have incredible insights into their life. And it's, who cares, right? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. so huge. Yeah. Okay, so say that someone's listening right now, whether it's a couple or an individual, and they have had kind of that wake-up moment that we talk about where they're like, okay, I, I need healing. I need restoration. I'm like, whose life is this? How did I get here? I'm so far from where I need to be. Where do you even begin? Can you speak to that? Well, um, be kind mm-hmm. and don't take it all on at once. There's too much loss in there. There's too much hurt in there. I I, I would say two things. Um, Something's not working in your life right now. And God's in that. 
and it, it might be you hate your job. It might be things are not going well with one of your kids. Something is surfacing the brokenness, right? Mm-hmm. Well, go with that because it's the current thing. Yeah. And all, all roads will lead you back, by the way. All roads will lead you back to what the core issues are. You know, your self-perception, your sense of worth, how you learned love, and what the key wounds of your life have been. It'll all get you back there. So you don't, you don't have to take it all on at once. You don't have to try and get everything fixed in a weekend. Be kind. Be gracious. Go with what's present. Mm-hmm. I would also ask Jesus. I, I would say, Lord, what are we working on right now? What are you wanting to speak to at this time in my life? And and let him let him be your shepherd. Let him be your counselor. Let him let him guide you in that because he's great at it. Yeah. Okay, I have a question with that as well because you know I know that's one thing that you talk about a lot: hearing the voice of God. And that's a practice on its own, listening and asking. Um, can you talk about that a minute? Because I know you talked at the beginning, asking God for a theme for your year and then listening for what he says. What would you say to somebody who says, I have a hard time hearing God in my life? Where do I start? I would say, Jesus, you know that. Mm-hmm. You know that I have a hard time. So speak in a language I can hear. And you're going to get in your car. And the first song that comes on the radio is going to blow your mind. Because you go, oh my gosh, that's it. Or, or you're going to be watching a movie and somebody's going to say something to one of the characters in the movie, right? And you go, oh my gosh, that's it. Like, he can get to you. Yeah. He can get to you, okay? And, and so, like, let's take the pressure off. I need to hear from God now. Yeah. Okay? Say, Jesus, you know I'm having a hard time hearing you. So speak in a language I can understand. And, and he, knows, he knows how you're wired. Is it books? He'll speak to you through books. Is it music? He'll speak to you through music. He'll bring a friend along, and a friend will say something, and your jaw will be on the floor, and you go, oh, my gosh, that was God. That's so good. I, I love, love that. Thank you. So what's your hope for this book? You know, what is, your, what is your hope when someone picks this up and walks through this, and they kind of go on this journey of restoration? What is your hope for this book? Well, First off, simple and accessible. If it's not simple and accessible, it's just not going to be sustainable, right? I mean, we've all we've all made New Year's resolutions. We've all, you know, how many gym memberships have I gone to? <laughs> I, I have, I have <laughs> a dozen books on my floor right now that I've read the first chapter of. <laughs> and and who has time? So we just have to be gracious with that. And I, you know, I like the minimalist approach, but we're not going to get there tomorrow. Okay. Right. So the first hope for this is that this is something that's doable. Mm-hmm. That what restoration year is 365 day devotional where you can dive in and there's a scripture, there's a thought, and then there's either a prayer for restoration in a particular area of your life, a lost dream, you know, something or there's a good question. There, sometimes what we just need is a good question. And so I'll just ask questions and say, what do you think God's motives are towards you? And like that can surface this incredible opportunity. You're like, well, I don't think he likes me very much. Or I don't mm-hmm. think he's very kind. Or 
his motives towards me. And I don't think he notices me. Like, you need to surface that stuff. Right. And so just day by day, gently, kindly, in a sustainable way, I think this will bring people into a deeper place with God. Which is the goal of every thing you create, I'm sure. So that's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well. well, we decided, you know, last time we asked you three questions that we ask everyone at the end of the show. Well, this is a return time, so we have to throw you for a little bit of a loop. Now, we're going to go back with our very first question. And you've talked about a couple in here, but we asked you before, what's a book that's changed your life? And you said The Horse and His Boy. So you have to have a different so one. So what's a time. different book that's changed your life? <laughs> <laughs> or the first chapter of a book. What's a, what's a book of the first See, chapter? That's so but that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. What's the first chapter of a book that's changed your life? Oh, See what the internet is doing to our I know, right? Our, our brains and our souls. So this is fun. I well, uh, unspoken sermons by George MacDonald. Okay. Uh, 18th century Scottish pastor, poet, writer, C.S. Lewis called him his master. He didn't ever know him, but it was MacDonald's writing that profoundly shaped Lewis's. He's got, he's written a jillion books, but he has this volume called Unspoken Sermons that will change your perspective on so many things about God in, in wonderful ways. Okay. That's a kill. That's a killer book. Awesome. Love it. All right. So um, normally I ask you about a habit, and you gave us that last time. I want to ask you this one. At the end of your life, what is it that you hope people say about Mr. John Eldridge? Um, he was true to everything he said. That's good. Love it. All right. And the last question. Last time we asked, what advice would you give to the younger you? What advice would you give to a younger We'll say John Eldridge, who's out there saying, I want to speak, I want to write, I want to influence. There's a message inside of me. In the spite of what we talked about for today's context or whatever, what advice would you give to that person? You need a spiritual father or mother. Do not, do not, do not try and do that on your own. It's a very lonely thing to try to do it on your own. It's very frustrating. It's very disheartening. We're in an hour right now where I think what God is up to is he is reorganizing the body of Christ around spiritual fathers and mothers because that's what we need. Yeah. And so I would say, my goodness, go find one, like ask for one, pray for one, because then you have someone to help shepherd you through your writing or your speaking or your whatever it is, right? Yeah. You know, your justice movement or, or building that orphanage that you wanted to build. Like, you'll have someone to help shepherd you through that. Do not do that without someone older and wiser in your life. That's so good. Love it. Such a good advice. Well, sir, as always, thank you. Thank you again for your time and your heart and your family and the ministry you guys are doing. Um, remind us all again, where can they find you, find this book, look you up, all that fun stuff. So the book we've been talking about is called Restoration Year, and it's uh, you can get it on Amazon, anywhere you get your books. It's a devotional. Uh, more about us would be RansomedHeart.com. 
Okay, great. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. John, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you guys. We could go for hours. For sure. We could yeah. talk forever. We'll do in the trees next time. Next time we'll yeah. be in the trees. <laughs> life of trees. You need to go get it. I totally will. I'm going to. That's on my list. And the shallows. That sounds oh, like man. a killer read. Well, I think we need to have him back again. Yeah, we, we just do. over and over. Again. This is the John Eldridge interview podcast. Oh, that was so much fun. We hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you grab a copy of John's new book, The Restoration Year. You can find the links for all of the books that we talked about in today's episode in our show notes and over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. If you go to letsliveitwell.com slash resources, you can find all the resources from the podcast, all the books that were recommended by our guests and those that have changed our lives as well and if you're a fellow tree lover come find us on social media let us know let us know what books are changing your life and what you learned from this week's episode i thought you were gonna say come find me in the trees come find me in the trees i'll be walking in the trees (laughs) not on social media i'll be sitting in a tree somewhere that's right well episode 45 is in the books and again thank you so much for listening gosh every single week it's so great to hear from you guys and your support and Those of you who leave reviews and share the podcast, gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, guys, we love you. We're thankful for you. And let's close this out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.